just after the Supreme Court issued the Dobbs decision overturning the Roe and Casey abortion rulings and reinstating the democratic process for abortion law, I dove into the Dobbs decision again. I dove into the Dobbs opinion and found it to be very instructive as law is supposed to be in clarifying on abortion law in America. So I started sharing lessons from just the syllabus of Dobbs in the last episode and wound up saying it is now a time of healing, a time for clarity. Well, that got challenging very fast. I'm Sheila Lagminas, and you're in the forum. Welcome back. We should have expected a distinct lack of clarity and lack of attempts at healing from abortion activists who had already been promising days of rage in their own words after the draft of this Supreme Court opinion was leaked well before it was officially issued by the court and after some of them had already done damage to some pregnancy help centers and some churches and promised more. But from some of the highest offices of government, we quickly got heated language and rather distorted claims in terminology instead of clarity. In politics, politicians often play to their base, so that's happening So, too, in the media, where outlets play to their readers, viewers, and listeners, and that's been happening, too. In social media, also where that's been happening, where users often don't hold back strong opinions, strong thoughts, and harsh expressions of them on news and other issues of the day, the Dobbs decision has been in a torrent of exchanges. Things are bad enough in many ways and places in the culture without whipping up anger over what amounts to falsehoods about abortion and what the court's Dobbs opinion said. More on that in a moment. But look at this item. On the day the ruling was issued, President Biden showed Americans his own indignation as he called on Congress to codify a right to abortion in federal law. In a White House speech, Biden said, quote, Now with Roe gone, let's be very clear. The health and life of women in this nation are now at risk. Yes, Mr. President, let's be clear. Let's calmly and clearly engage the issues at hand and whether women's health and lives are actually more at risk now. He went on to say, let me be very clear and unambiguous. The only way we can secure a woman's right to choose, the balance that existed, dot, 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 wait, hold on a minute. That's not clear, nor unambiguous. Just that part of his statement alone is neither. It doesn't clarify. As often is the case with the so-called pro-choice position, what a woman's right to choose actually even means by not finishing the sentence, with the object of the verb choose, as in choose what. And I'll add here that it has been the pro-life movement, with hundreds more pregnancy help centers than abortion centers in this country, that has truly given women a real choice of what to do when they're pregnant and either pressured to get an abortion or don't think they have a choice but to get one, because of a complete or near-complete lack of information and offer of help, by the way, that they need. Pregnancy help centers offer it all information so choices can be made, and the material, financial, medical, emotional, and any other type of help she would need if she chose birth and care of the baby, or adoption, if that's what she wants and needs at the time. So in that White House speech, after the Supreme Court issued the Dobbs decision, Biden went on to say that it is for Congress to restore the protections of Roe v. Wade as federal law. He said, no executive action from the president can do that. True that. 
He said, quote, and if Congress, as it appears, lacks the votes to do that now, voters need to make their voices heard. Yes, they do, Mr. President. Voters need to make their voices heard, all right. Full stop. But, oh, he didn't stop. Late last week, on July 8th, President Biden issued, here's the title, an executive order protecting access to reproductive health care services. Let me just parse that for a second. Executive order, okay, we know what that is. Protecting access, we know that's what he wants to do. To reproduce, no pre- reproduction going on. To reproductive health care, no health care going on either. And services, yeah, abortion services. And he called that a stopgap measure until Congress can vote to codify the right to abortion nationwide that Roe provided for virtually 50 years. Here's a need-to-know fact about that executive order President Biden just issued on July 8th. Part of it protects access to what's called medication abortion, which the FDA approved as a way to terminate pregnancies up to the 10th week. Up to the 10th week. Note that. It's important to note here that at the beginning of his the Biden presidency, the FDA permanently lifted the requirement to dispense chemical or medication abortion drugs in person, allowing women to seek an abortion to get these drugs by mail, by mail order. How is that regulated so these drugs aren't sent to girls or women after 10 weeks of pregnancy? That's another thing that's not clear at all. This is all information for another podcast and blog post alone because the meds and devices the abortion industry and now government officials are expanding access to, though without much information on the side effects that we get in just about every other medication or medical procedure we obtain, are really significant, and people need to know that. They need to know distinctly what these side effects are. Anyone really looking out for what's best for women's health needs to know about these things and inform women about them to make informed choices. So for now, let's briefly, for now, let's briefly go back to the summary of Dobbs and what it said. It's very instructive, as I said. Here are some snips directly from what the majority opinion states and the Supreme Court issued, quoting the Dobbs syllabus here, just the syllabus. In these snips, one of them says, the Constitution makes no express reference to a right to obtain an abortion. That's clear. Another snip, Roe held that the abortion right is a part of the right to privacy. The Casey Court grounded its decision solely on the theory that the right to obtain an abortion is part of the, quote, liberty protected by the 14th Amendment's due process clause. Then it goes on to say the term liberty alone provides little guidance. In interpreting what is meant by liberty, the court must guard against the natural human tendency to confuse what the 14th Amendment protects with the court's own ardent views about the liberty that Americans should enjoy. That's a key distinction goes on to say, guided by the history and tradition that map the essential components of the nation's concept of ordered liberty, the court finds the 14th Amendment clearly does not protect the right to an abortion, the Dobbs decision continued. Until the latter part of the 20th century, it notes, there was no support in American law for a constitutional right to obtain an abortion. Now listen to what followed that. By the time the 14th Amendment was adopted, Three-quarters of the states had made abortion a crime at any stage of pregnancy. This consensus endured until the day Roe was decided. Roe either ignored or misstated this history, right, the, the justices, basically Alito. And Casey declined to reconsider Roe's faulty historical analysis. So the abortion activists threatening or carrying out attacks on pregnancy help centers, churches, justices' homes, even pro-life attorneys' homes, and promising there will be more such attacks 
and acts of rage, as they call it, really don't seem to know Roe, nor how it was decided. How about a few quotes from some pro-abortion legal scholars? Here's one from Edward Lazarus, former assistant U.S. attorney and former clerk to Justice Harry Blackman of the Roe Court. He wrote, as a matter of constitutional interpretation and judicial method, Roe borders on the indefensible. What exactly is the problem with Roe, he wrote? The problem, I believe, is that it has little connection to the constitutional right it purportedly interpreted. A constitutional right to privacy broad enough to include abortion has no meaningful foundation in constitutional text, history, or precedent. There it is, the right to privacy, it's claiming. Edward Lazarus goes on to say, As a matter of constitutional interpretation, even most liberal judges and legal scholars, if you administer truth serum, will tell you it is basically indefensible that being Roe. And then there's Richard Cohen, Washington Post columnist, about Roe being wrongly decided law, by the way. This is all under Roe wrongly decided law. I've blogged about this, I've written about this, and assembled some of these quotes for all from legal scholars, even like former Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg is in this lineup of quotes, but I'm just citing a few right now. Richard Cohen, columnist for the Washington Post, he said, the very basis of the Roe v. Wade decision the one that grounds abortion rights in the Constitution, strikes many people now as faintly ridiculous. Whatever abortion may be, it cannot simply be a matter of privacy. As a layman, it's hard for me to raise profound constitutional objections to the decision, but it is not hard to say it confounds our common-sense understanding of what privacy is. Of what privacy is, folks. That's what it was grounded on. Roe was grounded on the right to privacy. And look what these scholars are saying. So Richard Cohen goes on to say, Roe is a Supreme Court decision whose reasoning has not held up. It seems more fiat than argument. And then he concludes, a bad decision is a bad decision. If the best we can say for it is that the end justifies the means, then we have not only lost the argument, but a bit of our souls as well. And that's Richard Cohen. So activists probably don't know those things. They don't know Roe. They don't know what legal activists, even a a clerk for Justice Blackman, have said and written, even Justice Ginsburg herself, have said and written about Roe as wrongly decided law. Even though they wanted to see abortion access and abortion being made legal by the states, they didn't believe Roe was rightly decided. So probably the activists don't know that. They probably also don't know what the latest Dobbs ruling said and what it based that court's opinion on. But you're hearing it here and now we're hearing out there. It's just judicial activism. That's a new iteration of complaints about it in the media and the protesters. It's judicial activism. In media and politics and public protests, charges of judicial activism abound. But only pro-life media have spoken out for decades about and against judicial activism, while major media and abortion activists, of course, were silent on that. Now they're complaining about judicial activism. The Dobbs decision made this point. Quote, Casey identified another concern, namely the danger that the public will perceive a decision overruling a controversial watershed decision such as Roe as influenced by political considerations or public opinion. But the court cannot allow its decisions to be affected by such extraneous concerns. A precedent of this court is subject to the usual principles under which adherence to a precedent is the norm, but not an inexorable command. If the rule were otherwise, erroneous decisions like Plessy, Plessy versus Ferguson, would still be the law. Separate but equal, that was Plessy. Segregation, that was Plessy. 
erroneous decisions like Plessy would still be the law, they wrote, if you can't overrule a decision that was wrongly decided. So the court, wrote Alito and the others in the majority, they wrote, the court's job is to interpret the law and decide this case accordingly. And therefore, the majority decided this, quote, abortion presents a profound moral question. The Constitution does not prohibit the citizens of each state from regulating or prohibiting abortion. Roe and Casey arrogated that authority. The court overrules those decisions and returns that authority to the people and their elected representatives, which I'll remind you, several pro-abort, many pro-abortion scholars always wanted for it to be correctly judged. And on that note, let's take a look at what a law professor from University of Pennsylvania said about this. Kermit Roosevelt of the University of Pennsylvania Law School said, as constitutional argument, Roe is barely coherent. The court pulled its fundamental right to choose more or less from the constitutional ether. He said, by declaring an inviolable fundamental right to abortion, Roe short-circuited the democratic deliberation that is the most reliable method of deciding questions of competing values. That's the democratic process we want to protect. And so do the justices. And so do these legal scholars who even believe in a right to abortion, that it should be decided rightly of, by, and for the people and their elected representatives. To repeat what President Biden said, the health and life of women in this nation are at risk. And as he emphasized, voters need to make their voices heard. Because after 50 years of abortion law having been removed from the democratic process of, by, and for the people, the Supreme Court has finally returned that authority to the people and their elected representatives. There's a lot to know and share with others. For the well-being and the good of everyone, that's the goal here in the Forum.